I want to be honest with you guys. Sometimes these are my least favorite recordings. Like when I say I want to promise all of you sunshine and rainbows, if you stand up to abuse and you leave and you destroy toxic cycles and you do all of these really cool things, like I legitimately want to be like sunshine, rainbows, cupcakes, and sprinkles for you every day. And as I've gone through my own process of recovery and of breaking toxic cycles, it is not sunshine and rainbows and cupcakes. And I hate that. And I hope that as time goes on, as I'm trying to break the cycle, as lots of other people break the cycle, as we talk about it, as we start having conversations about domestic violence and about toxic abusive households and dynamics and family, really toxic family dysfunction, that it will get better and it will get easier for people to get out. But I don't get to do that right now. So in hoping to change that, I'm honest about my experiences, hoping that it prepares you. Also hoping that your experiences are a hundred times better than mine. But I'm also a practical woman. If being a single mother has taught me nothing else, being practical is essential. I was talking to my counselor the other day and I was like, I have had to go against the grain of my personality so hard for so long. I'm just tired. My personality is happy-go-lucky. Let's go have fun and have a really, really freaking good time and fly by the seat of my pants. I'm already running late. Let's stop for coffee. Let's go on an adventure. This is me. Um, Michaela, the single mom, who's also going to school and working and trying to figure everything out and break toxic family cycles has been like responsibility on top of responsibility on top of responsibility. And I have to get stuff done all the time. And I am constantly on trying to get things done, desperately hoping to catch up on sleep, already like dreaming of getting a break. And I don't know if it's going to happen. My stalker whole ex was like, who's only communicating over voicemail. When I went to pick the kids up was like, I'm not probably not going to be able to take the kids the second half of Christmas break. Well, um, he's legally obligated to. And I wish I could explain to you what that break represents to me. Um, I could start by saying sleep, but so much more than sleep. Like I have not had a break for more than two and a half days in, in almost two years for my children. And I love my children. I love them so much, but I am not that mom who is like suction cup to their side, like a freaking starfish on the side of a fish tank. I enjoy my own time and space. And so weekends that they're gone, I'm trying to get stuff done. I'm planning something fun if I can, knocking out homework that I'm behind on, trying to catch up on the house, catching up on paperwork. Like there's so much. And what I really wish I could do on a weekend that the kids are gone is sleep. But I can't because I have all that other crap that I have to do. So I might sleep a little, but usually that's when I'm feeling sick and I have no other option except sleep. And so now I'm at this place in life where I'm like, I need a break. Like that second half of Christmas break will involve sleep. It could involve two days of sleep. Will I still have catching up? Almost guaranteed. Will I still struggle? Yes. And so I'm at this weird place where I emailed um, the lawyer that I had for the divorce. And I was like, what do you do if someone won't take the kids when they're supposed to take the kids? Like, what's my option? Do I like demand that he has to pay them? Like, how does this freaking work? Because even though we're divorced now, he's taking advantage of the system. He's an absent parent who pretends like he's dad of the freaking year. And he's still practicing control. Like that's him leaving the voicemail messages instead of texting me back 
even though we haven't talked on the phone for two years, it's him being like, you, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. He freaking looked at me in front of the kids and goes, well, Michaela, maybe you should look up what being a hundred percent custodial parent means. It doesn't mean I have them all the time when we have a custody agreement, you ignoramus person. Oh my gosh. I have so many feelings. And I had the kids in the car and then like my oldest trying to defend his dad because he feels like he has to, even though I know that them hearing from him that he's not going to take them an additional seven days that he could, that it hurts them because they're having to be the parent because he's being an immature person who's only thinking about himself. And I'm having to sit there, explain to my kids that like their dad signed a legal contract and he has an obligation and a responsibility to do what he said he would do. Like, is that really that hard? It isn't for a genuine person who says they're going to do something and they do it. For a narcissist, it's extremely difficult for them to follow through on their word if you're the type of person that they like to take advantage of. And so here I am with my kids having to have this stupid conversation, trying not to panic because I need a break. I've been like on and off sick for the whole month. I went out with my cousin on Saturday and I hit this point where it's like she could tell there was something going on. And we were doing karaoke. My voice cut out in the middle of karaoke, like microphone there. And it just cut out. And she's like, what's going on? I was like, I think my medicine just wore off. I've had this lingering cold for a month now. And it's not so bad, but it's like morning congestion and then towards the evening congestion. And it will make me feel like I'm tired. And it's really hard to tell the difference between tired and the fact that it's like congestion. And so I just have to consistently take cold medicine and I'd forgotten to take it. And so it was kind of validating because I was like, look, Michaela, it's real. Uh, Because I took the medicine and in 45 minutes I was fine. But my body needs rest. Why had the cold lingered? Because Michaela didn't get enough rest. Um, My body hasn't had a chance to catch up. And so like Christmas break looks like time my body needs to recover. And then maybe I can actually build a routine where I can do self-care and like build my body up, like make sure I'm walking at night when I like to make sure that I have all of these self-protective things and measures in place. And when I don't get that break, I'm surviving and I'm in survival mode. And that's actually the next series I'm going to start is going to be about um, how to recognize abuse and how when you've been in survival mode, you don't really admit to like how hard things are because you're too busy surviving. It actually is a good tactic to survive, but it's not a good tactic for recovery. So I'm like, my body needs to hit recovery mode, but my body's in survival mode. I'm looking for a break to make this thing happen. And it's like, where is it at? Where, where is it at? <laughs> and so it's just hard. I might not get that, but he better take the kids. But honestly, guys, like if he tries to screw me over and not take the kids, like what? Do I, I'm their mom. That means I'll have them because... The reason I'm the 100% custodial parent is because I'm the one who's there. I'm the one who cares for them. I'm the one who makes sure that they get their medicine, go to the doctor when they need to, get up and go to school, that their daily care is taken care of, that every time that Samuel had an affected toe and Christy was dealing with rashes and then she was bumping her head on just about every freaking thing and Adam's had attitude problems. Like every single time I am their mom and I am taking care of them and I am loving them. And that's why I'm the parent. Like that's why I'm custodial. That's why they live with me full time. But that doesn't mean that he gets to shirk the duties. But again, it's all about control. And so I'm sitting there at this place of like, I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I'm tired. (laughs) And it's on repeat. And I'm dealing with this toxic family dynamic and the holidays are coming. And I'm so excited about the cousin giving. 
the cousin giving this week where we are going to get together and I'm doing a French toast. Okay, so I'm doing a French toast bake and one will have just turkey cranberries and walnuts or pecans and I'm doing it with eggnog and cinnamon and it's so good and fresh nutmeg and then the other one I'll add uh, bacon and sausage. I, I asked my cousin, I was like, do you want bacon or sausage? She was like, is both an option? I was like, it can be. So we're going to do that with turkey and probably still the cranberries and the nuts. So, um, and we're going to do mimosas. The kids are going to get sparkling apple cider, but like we're going to do mimosas and brunch and hang out and play games and talk. And I am so excited, but I had to be proactive about this. My family was not going to stop a dysfunctional cycle. They're still in it. And so I was listening to this TikTok the other day and this girl was talking about, cause I'm like at that point where I'm so tired. I'm like, something has to give but it can't be me because I still have responsibilities. So like something's got to give. And so um, this TikTok, this lady was talking about how families usually have a typical pedo. So pedophile shirt for pedophile and how she stood up against hers and won. And it ended up meaning that um, her grandparents like didn't come to the holidays to stand beside the pedophile. But like the rest of her family was fine with it. And so she was like, it was dramatic and he caused all these problems, but it ended up being fine. And I was like, one, what the heck? Is there really a family pedophile generally? And if so, no wonder so many freaking kids get exposed to trauma and abuse at such an early age if they're there and everybody just protects the feelings of the pedophile. Okay. Two, I'm like, I didn't win. In my family, I didn't win. I had to set up the cousin giving because of all the drama with the family freaking pedophile and all the issues with wanting to keep my kids safe and then them siding with my abuser. So like, or people just living too far away. So he's like, okay, who's close that I can get along with? That won't be drama. That my kids will be safe around. My cousins. That's what I did. I I invited them over for cousin giving. And it's going to be awesome. But I did that because I was losing family, friends, community. And it's really, really hard because I had this idea my whole life of what I thought that I should be. And that would change and kind of like go in waves as I got older and had different experiences. But in general, stayed pretty much the same of like the type of person that I am and the kind of person I want to grow into. And then I've had to go through so much hell trying to get out of abuse and then toxic dysfunctional family systems that I look a lot different now. And I'm a whole different person than I've ever been. And it's extreme. It's like somebody shoved me in the chrysalis and liquefied me. And this is what has come out. Um, can, a, can a butterfly have claws? Because <laughs> that's what I have. And I'm having to adjust to like, this is who I am. I'm the type of woman that will be like, you try to put my kids at risk and I will do everything in my power to protect them. So I'm this fierce person and this fierce protector when before I was like, just pretty chill and I want everyone to get along but I'm realizing like there's all these boundaries that I'm going to stick to but not everyone else is going to honor those boundaries and that's when I become like fierce protector mama bear bring it on okay and that's where I'm willing to risk losing everyone and then I'm having to admit okay because I was willing to risk losing everyone so many people were so stupid about it that I actually lost all those people and then now I just have a few people that are awesome but it's like a very very small number and so I'm a little lonely And then I'm having to say, thanks to my counselor, I risk losing everyone. And I am so thankful that I set those boundaries, even though it meant that I lost them. And I am lonely because I have these two conflicting things, this incredible pride. I am so proud of myself that I looked in the mirror the other day and was like, I am so freaking proud of you because you are so brave. 
because you risk losing everyone you had left to protect your kids. And you lost them. But you stuck to your guns, and I am proud of you. And then I also am the person who now sometimes cries over it and and hurts that those people chose dysfunction and control and manipulation over a relationship with me and I feel lonely and I hate 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 that they villainize me to try to make what they did sound like it's okay when it's never gonna be okay the way my abuser abused me will never be okay my grandparents choosing to bring a pedophile around my children will never be okay so these are things that will never be okay that I've had to accept that I lost people over and I'm having to look at myself and be like I am proud of you And I've got a couple of cousins who are like, you're doing great. And that's awesome. But like, I lost it. And then because I'm a tired single mom and can't show up to church, it's like, now that I'm not volunteering and giving when I already didn't have Jack to give because I lost everything, um, no one contacts me. (laughs) No one even talks to me. (laughs) All I have is this freaking fantasy football league I started with them. And it hurts. I laugh because humor is one of the best ways to deal with trauma. Okay, it's humor. Um, but this sucks. And I find myself being like, okay, I'll invest by doing a group to try and work with victims of domestic violence. And I'm going to make podcasts and I'll make TikToks and I'll do whatever I can to help other people. I'm getting my education so I can do it for a living. Like I want to help change it for others because it has been so damn hard for me. And sometimes that's my comfort. Sometimes when everything gets so freaking hard and everything is so messed up and I am lonely, I comfort myself with the knowledge that I will continue to work hard and push forward to change this for other people so everyone else doesn't have to feel the isolation like I did. No one else has to go through it as with as much difficulty and as much loneliness as I did. So I do these podcasts. So, you know, you're not alone. I don't know how much I'm actually helping. Gosh, I hope I am. But sometimes I think it just helps knowing you're not alone. And so here I am still believing for the best, a Christian, but I look like a way different Christian than I ever thought I would. And so I'm like here and I'm like, this is it. I'm this whole different person. I went the chrysalis. I was like, (laughs) like pressure, right? Cool under pressure. This is me. And my family didn't want it. And that's their decision. And I'm going to honor their choice not to want me with all the differences, except for a couple of people. But I'm going to love the heck out of myself. And I'm going to find the beauty in all my sharp edges. I'm like, I'm okay, I'm so curvy. And I'm like, I like my softness. So like, even if I work out because it's good for me and I feel good. So like, I like walking in the evenings, but that's been like kicked to the curb since I got the cold and then it lingered. Um, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, however, like, even if I was losing weight, I don't ever want to lose my soft, lose my, like, I like the softness. I like being soft and curvy and cute. Um, I don't want the hard abs and all the cuts and all the edges. Okay. So like when, when my physical body, I'm like, I like my curves. I like the stretch marks. I like the curves. I like that I'm a little bit fluffy. And then on the flip side, my personality is going through the freaking ringer and I'm coming out with all these hard edges and having to be way stronger and more determined than I have ever had to be before. It feels very weird to me. 
but I had to become this person to survive the trauma that I went through and the trauma and the abuse that continued. And so don't beat yourself up if you start finding out like, whoa, who the heck is this chick? She don't back down from anybody. She just keeps going and pushing and she just keeps surviving. Guess what? You go, girl. You do it because if no one's going to support you, sometimes you just have to choose to support yourself. And I am with you. You sometimes have to become so freaking strong and get some hard edges you didn't have before to describe, to survive the abuse and to recover, especially when you have people trying to drag you back into that toxic cycle. And so I'm coming to this new place of acceptance with myself of this is what I'm like, and this is what I look like, and this is what I tolerate, and this is what I don't tolerate. This is what I want in my life, and this is what I don't want in my life. This is who I want in my life, and this is who I don't want in my life. So this is your opportunity to like enter a new level of self-love for yourself and acceptance and be like, they don't have to accept you. I accept you and love you. And for you to understand that one day getting out of that toxic system will 100% be worth it. It may not be sunshine and rainbows and unicorns right now, but one day it's going to be freaking awesome. One day you're going to have people around you that you have chosen and they choose you back. And it won't be this unhealthy, toxic cycle. You won't have people abuse you and make excuses for it or control you and tell you that's just the way it is. You will have so much freedom of choice. And you will get to love people because you choose to love. You'll be enjoying your life the same way that like I am enjoying the moments <laughs> right now, okay? And it will be good. It will be good because as hard as my life is right now and as lonely as I sometimes feel, I would still choose this path times a hundred every single time. I would still, knowing all of the pain and all of the, all of the triumph and all of the disaster and all of the, all the things that came along with the choices that I made, I would still choose this times a hundred. Even when it's the hardest, it is still 100% worth it to be free from abuse, free from that dysfunction, to be a strong, independent woman who makes my own choices and protects my children, who loves myself and is working on finding what makes me happy and what I enjoy and how to help other people. Like this, this person I am now is 100% worth all of the hard choices that I made and all of the people that I lost. And so this is my encouragement that in my hard times and all of these obstacles that I have faced in getting out and recovering and building a life after, that you can still make it. That you are going to be good. That you might go into the chrysalis, you might get shaken up, you might feel like you got a little bit liquefied, but you are coming out on the other side better than ever. And you are going to live this really good, really amazing life And you are not alone. So until next time.